This episode of the How a Business is brought to you by Stroke of Genius. The Stroke of Genius podcast is back for season three. Each episode tells a different story from the world of intellectual property with cool interviews with green entrepreneurs, innovative scientists, and other creative minds. Find the Stroke of Genius show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Chris Doyle. Chris, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Great, great to have you. Uh, we're going to chat about the cash flow challenge that is faced by a lot of contractors and other similar businesses and subcontractors and when they have to buy materials for a job, for example, you know, a contractor has to pay for the supplies up front, but may not collect from the client or the general contractor for 30, 60, 90, sometimes even more uh, before they get paid. So you have that cash flow situation. From a yeah. supplier's perspective, there's the challenge of balancing receivables, credit, and of course, the, the desire to, to sell more materials. But yep, yep. Um, it's all of those. That's a big, that's what you deal with. That's what you dealt with in your business, right, Chris? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So Chris is going to explain how his company Build, B-I-L-L-D, helps bridge that cash flow gap. If you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including links to the show notes page for this episode, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. So let me tell you a little bit more about Chris Doyle and then we'll get into the conversation. He is an entrepreneur and the president and CEO of Build. They specialize in helping contractors buy materials now and pay their suppliers later. Chris has extensive experience in the construction industry. He was inspired to launch Build to bring the financial power of Wall Street to the construction job site, allowing contractors to bypass project hurdles with access to upfront funds while enabling suppliers to sell more materials with less risk. Prior to starting Build, Chris founded Site Capture, a field services technology platform that allows you to capture photos and data at the job site through a simple mobile app. Chris lives in the Austin, Texas area. So once again, Chris Doyle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Henry. Yeah, excited to be here again. Yeah. So um, let's start early on, as we usually do in these, uh, in these episodes. You studied, if I got it right, political science, and then went on to get an MBA. Uh, did you think you wanted to have your own business after university, or what were your thoughts back then? You know, un undergrad uh, was really just trying to make my way. Uh, you know, political science had a small interest in that. It was easier than engineering. Uh, so I, I wish I probably had a more insightful answer to that. But I, I think <laughs> as life goes, it was more, you know, what's in front of me. Okay, I'll take that one and, and move on. Um, but it had been about 10 years between finishing undergrad and, and business school. Business school was a lot different. It was, uh, this, these are my objections. These are my, uh, what I want to do in business. And I think I, I would like to have an MBA to better equip myself for that. So it's a lot more um, structured decision making. Did uh, do you think the MBA has helped? Absolutely, absolutely. I would encourage anyone, even later in life, to to um, go through an MBA program. I, I mean, what I got out of it is different. I think most people evaluating will say, uh, "Well, you get network, you get the education, 
Um, those are those are two like very big pieces of it. And network being all, oftentimes number one. For me, it wasn't. I mean, the network certainly is great at Rice, uh, but just the the blocking and tackling education, um, I I feel a lot more prepared to handle situations and generally just not intimidated really at all in almost any business environment. Uh, and I think just having that that prep work helps me do that. When you when you are when you feel like you don't have that rounded education, it is easy to go, Oh man, I don't, I don't know that word. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know this theory. And now I certainly don't know most of them still, (laughs) but I, I have this confidence of saying, okay, what is that? Explain that to me. Yeah. And if you can't explain it to someone with an MBA and them understand it, something's wrong. Right. Uh, so I just feel a lot more confident in that. Yeah, no, obviously that's the key word. It gave you confidence and that was, that's huge. Um, all right. So tell me about that, the early career after college, you had various positions there, but did you, how did you fall into the whole construction and contracting business? I'm curious about that. Yeah. Right out of school, you know, um, I paid my way through school. So I frame houses, you know, in the summer and on the weekends. So very, very labor, right. Ish, um, you know, where my worth was gauged on if I could carry two, uh, four by eight sheets of plywood or three um, <laughs> paid more if you could carry three because you were that much more efficient. And so when I had graduated, um, you know, a couple of months before graduating, it was like, Hey, what do you want to do? It was between that and the restaurant industry. And um, I ended up getting a job at a, a really good home builder in Houston. So kind of off I went. Um, I would say though, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, it, it, that hit immediately. Uh, I started in, I wouldn't call it big corporate world because it was still a fairly small company, maybe 300 or so employees. Um, But within six months had found an opportunity. Uh, They were opening a new uh, division in in, uh, Dallas, Texas, and I had started in Houston. And that was a very small team, six to eight people. And I had just run after it, uh, ran after it and said, hey, uh, I'd love to do this volunteer. I'd never lived in Dallas. Uh, That didn't really matter. And I, I think that, you know, from a starting your own business perspective, I actually had done this in two companies, construction companies, where I had started new divisions. It very much becomes the, the, the learning ground for how this works without fully being on your own, because you still mm-hmm. have that parent company that can help advise and, and also fund, right, the, the growth and some of the early times where you're not immediately profitable. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's a perfect way to develop it. So, and it sounds like you were always wanting that next challenge also. You know, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't necessarily say challenge, but opportunity, okay. you know, from the very beginning, it was always, what's the opportunity? What's the opportunity? And, and something that I coach uh, with my team and pretty much anyone I meet, it's not about what something pays. It's not even I mean, a challenge and opportunity or are, are go hand in hand there, but um, find the absolute best opportunity for yourself, uh, especially when you're in your twenties and thirties, where you have a, you have a lot you can burn and, and not be a problem, right? I can waste four years in my twenties without being an issue when you're more well-established in your prime of your career and earning potential you don't necessarily want those situations because you're right. in your prime, but early on, this is how you learn, right? Yeah. Cut your teeth. Uh, so yeah, always looking for the, the best opportunity. 
not just for professional not for even compensation, but professional growth, networking, and just gaining those, those skills that you would otherwise not get. What do you think that that's something that like for me, for example, didn't come early in life. I didn't understand the value of those kind of things of mentoring, of networking, of building. Did you have, was it modeled for you or do you think it was just who you were from early on? I probably didn't do uh, as good job as I would have liked. Um, I think I always had a nose for what was next and that's how I benefited. And really a lot of this, especially in retrospect is just luck and timing, um, timing being number one. Uh, so no, I don't, you know, I wish I would say, you know, I had grandfather sit down with me one day and say, you know, here's the pamphlet. And I just followed that. Um, but you know, a lot of, and I'm still in the middle of this, right. Is, um, navigating through the uncertainties of your profession and life there, there's just kind of, you know, where's your nose at and where, where's it guide you. Um, and not necessarily a specific playbook. Um, that's probably not a very good MBA answer, but I find that it's more um, realistic than, than you know, saying, hey, these are the, the four steps I did and then you'll reach X because it certainly doesn't play out like that yeah, all the yeah, time yeah, or yeah. even most of the time probably. I agree, I agree. But there was a lot of ambition there that drove you to want maybe more or to, to continue to achieve, yes? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what then leads to, I think the first business you started was site capture. Is that correct? Site capture. Tell us about what led to you starting that business. Yeah. And and I think to the entrepreneurs out there who are probably similar to me, where whether in day-to-day life or in, in business, you find a scenario and you say, this is just not good enough. Um, I can do this better and this is inefficient. And when you, when you do that, you find these little opportunities and you dream about them and you say, well, this could be a great business. And then all you really need to do is spend 15 minutes in Excel and say, how much does it cost to acquire that customer? What's the product? What's the product cost? How much can you sell it for? And just spend that little bit of time and out of a thousand ideas, you'll come up with, uh, a, a substantial amount that say, Hey, this could work. And that's all I think about, you know, whether it's how you send documents, uh, how you get groceries, uh, in this case, how you take pictures and record job site. And so it really just started with that. I saw an inefficiency. I was very much an expert in the market. Um, so this is in renewable energy space, specifically in solar. What was happening was solar was booming and, um, in particular residential solar. And it was being, it was, the growth was really fueled by, uh, the availability of, of capital. Uh, and that's through a large, like a solar city, which is Tesla now, um, offering what they call as a lease. And so they would install these systems and the large finance companies would, uh, lease to the homeowner. The thing is they needed to identify what, cause they're going to own the system for 20 years. So they need to see photos of the system installed and collect certain amount of data so they could maintain and monitor those systems. And what I was seeing was just, you know, 30 photos on your cell phone, <laughs> texting them, emailing them, you know, zip, you know, thumbnail, no one even uses thumbnails anymore. 
thumbnail drives, right? Uh, and then and then plugging them back into your computer. And it was just incredibly inefficient. So um, I had taken all the money I had and uh, invested in a platform and uh, got my first customer. And it went from there. Uh, it, was, it was really that simple. And the, I think what um, the success mostly was, and look, we're, we're still a, a very moderate size uh, company, so I wouldn't call it success just yet. But uh, we, we do have uh, probably 30% market share in the solar space right now. And um, it was my conviction of knowing the problem. And so when a customer comes to us, they can't, they can't say it's not a problem. You know, I, I won't, I won't sign off on that. It is a problem. I know it's a problem because I lived it and uh, we have a solution. Now, are there other solutions? Yes, but you can't convince me that's not a problem uh, or you're not my customer. You're not a customer that I want because you won't admit when you have a clear inefficiency. Uh, so I think that that's what drove the, the um, ability for us to get customers because they just couldn't escape it. It's like, look, I've lived this. I know this is a problem. And then from there, it was just listening to the customer, right? Providing just overwhelmingly, I'd say customer obsessed kind of um, customer service and just keeping the ear to the ground. What are you looking for? What are you looking for in product and how can we help your business? How long more or less from when you got the idea to that first customer? Not, not long, uh, four months. Wow. Yeah, really short time. Actually, the way it started was I had a whale of a customer on, on the line. I see. And, um, and they backed out. Yeah, oh, they backed out. Interesting. And so, but their interest was real. And the reason they backed out is because they wanted to develop their own. Mm-hmm. When, when my product came out, it was, you know, their perception was, well, look, this, this guy just did it. Uh, then we can do it too. And we're a very large finance company. Um, and sure enough, they, they continue to have struggles in that department with their own product because mm-hmm. it's just not their core, uh, competency yeah, developing yeah. technology, mobile technology products. Uh, the thing about mobile that people don't talk a lot about from a technology perspective is that most mobile has a web application, Android and iOS. That's three stacks you have to develop on right. it, plus your database. And so every single, you know, a true SaaS, non-mobile, non-app SaaS platform, it's just one platform. So you can release 24 hour turnaround. You can release um, mobile, no, not so much. You've got to do the web release first, then two mobile app releases, which are completely separate developments. So that's a little trick. They don't, they don't talk to you about when you start the business. Um, <laughs> But I've been presented, you know, in other businesses, why don't you have a mobile app? Well, because it's a real pain in the ass. That's why. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, you, you were walking through or explaining as you have an idea, you do that analysis, you vet it. One of the criteria is obviously, it seems to me as to like why you went forward with site capture is you knew the customer, the customer was you. Uh, what else at a high level goes into your decision-making when you get an idea and you do that first level analysis to decide, let's go to the next step or not. You know, you, you can talk yourself out of any business idea. Uh, you can talk yourself into it as well. There becomes this balance. And my recommendation is to close your MBA book and say, do I have a passion for this? 
can I really affect change? Can I relate with the customer? And do I really care about the cust solving the customer's problem here? And if you don't, don't do it. If you do, don't worry about what the book says, do it. Okay, love that, love that. All right, we can talk about that forever, but let's move on to what led you to the idea of build and how all that came about. Yeah, so um, oddly enough, when I started Site Capture, two months later, I got a call from uh, two founders out of San Francisco. Uh, these are private equity, kind of Wall Street experience guys in their 20s that were starting a new residential solar finance company. And at the time I had established myself as very much an authority in uh, quality assurance in solar, mostly through site capture and me really pushing the market. Hey, you need to know what's going on on the job, right? As a finance company. And they said, we want the authority working for us to credential our, our contractors. So they provide the best systems for our customers, which we will then finance at lower risk. Can you come over? as our chief marketing officer, chief commercial officer, fourth or fifth employee, um, what do you think? Well, I just put every dollar I have in another <laughs> business. Dang it, uh, yes, I will. And um, over a couple of glasses of wine one night on the phone with them pacing in my backyard, I had committed. And so there I was with two ventures uh, to go after, very different ventures. And so at, at, uh, this is dividend finance. Uh, so at dividend finance, I had the opportunity to work with hundreds of contractors across the country. And um, as a consumer finance product, the way it would work is a contractor would sell a solar system to a customer. And they say, this is, if you'd like to finance it, here's a product that will do that for you. So we were ingrained in all of their sales process and really ev every process because they would install the system, send us documentation. And that's how we would release funds. And something that became clear to us early on is that contractors relied on advanced funding to operate their business, mm -hmm. especially in a rapidly growing industry where they may sell 20 systems in one month and the next month is 30. So you're really digging your cash flow hole deeper and deeper as you grow. Speedboating, right? You're growing so fast that you just need more and more cash. And so from a finance product standpoint, we would compete on how much we'd be willing to advance the contractor to sell our product. 20% advance, 30% advance, 50% advance. Well, that's, that's not really that healthy either. And so we had experimented at the time with separate products where we said, okay, you need, you need working capital, but you're, you're taking worse terms for your consumer product so you can get better advances. Treat the two separately. Solve your working capital problem separate from what's the best consumer product to offer your customer. So we had done some pilots that were successful in solving that problem. And we shifted gears. We said, this is a problem in residential. It is a much bigger problem in commercial. So uh, we pitched the idea to our investors. Um, they said, we love it. They, they had already worked with us. And I'm referring to us as me and the co-founder, Jesse Weisberg. Uh, who was at Dividend with me. And they said, we love it. We know you, we trust you. Um, coincidentally, they had been pitched uh, by another company, which was no longer operating, uh, that had done a similar product uh, a couple years back. 
And so we moved forward with a equity raise and also acquired the assets of this business to, to launch build. So it gave okay. us a little extra comfort uh, in having some performance data in this space and also some ways that you can manage in the, from the commercial side, which I had been very experienced in commercial. Um, but you know, it was only four or five years. I needed a, a lot more and, and the acquisition really helped with that as well. I see. Did, did they have some semblance of technology or algorithms or some kind of underwriting process that you benefited from? Is that part of what you were buying there or was it just uh, that knowledge and access to some clients? Uh, no, it wasn't so much access to clients um, or a little bit of decision-making algo. It had okay. performance data, which was very helpful. Uh, that continues to hold true with what we're doing. And I hate to say this because really um, a lot of what not to do and that we that we were able to uncover the more and more we work with, with the company. I see. And um, that sounds bad, but guess what? We could have done the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were the, they were somewhat of a pioneer. So they took those arrows and you were able to learn. That's from right. That. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, and I really want to emphasize that it's not that we were really any better. Um, Although I, I guess we, I do think we are, um, <laughs> but, but um, you know, learning from mistakes is so critical to learn and quickly adapt and have, if, if someone were to start with, don't make these 10 mistakes, right. it gave us a big head start. Yeah. This is Henry Lopez with a brief pause for this episode to let you know that one of my favorite podcast shows, Stroke of Genius is back for season three. This show from the IPO Education Foundation is about intellectual property, but it's as far from a patent contract or a law textbook as you can get. Each episode of Stroke of Genius tells a different and interesting story from the world of intellectual property, from the Harry Potter copyrights to Syracuse University trademarks. The series is filled with engaging interviews with green entrepreneurs, forward-thinking scientists, and the business people who are genuinely interested in supporting and protecting creativity and leaving something good behind. Stroke of Genius episodes are only 30 minutes or less. It's a great listen, so subscribe and check it out on ipoef.org, on Apple Podcasts, or by searching Stroke of Genius wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so let's let's click the next layer. Let's introduce, at least at a high level, what the services that Build offers. Yeah, so uh, you know, you started with this is in construction, uh, subcontractors. So let's say an electrician gets awarded a three hundred thousand dollar project. Let's say it's a parking garage, so lots of lighting, copper wiring, right? And uh, to get started, they've got to purchase their material. Material generally is thirty to forty percent of their total contract value. They purchase that upfront or sometimes, uh, I'd say most of the time actually on 30 day terms, which sounds great. Uh, the problem is they aren't paid from the time they purchase the material or need the material to when they actually get paid by the general contractor. That's generally 60 to 90 days. So this is a systemic problem in construction. It's a known problem in construction for decades. And this is the fact that our product has not already been on the market is still a little astounding. Um, and I can tell you why it's that it, you, this is how you started with our introduction is that um, wall street capital is afraid of construction and afraid of small guy contractors. And I, I don't say small guy lightly because I hate that term for our customer, 
but that's how the outside market often perceives it. And our, our thesis uh, is that this is actually um, the best customer we could have and that they are actually very credit worthy. They're just dealt with a very bad cash flow problem. And it doesn't matter if you're a 2 million annual revenue contractor or 50 million, you have the same problem. And it is that you need material and you have expenses on day one and you don't get compensated for that until day 90. How do you deal with it? Yeah. And it becomes a barrier to entry for a lot of contractors uh, to get any kind of um, consistent growth. They are, are faced with this challenge and there just aren't any solutions. So what are they going to do about it? Uh, they just simply can't grow. They can't grow beyond a one crew, kind of one project at a time, maybe two projects at a time type company to 20 crews, you know, big name in the market, reliable contractor, good, you know, overhead, huge, you know, great safety program, all the things that you need uh, to, to be an established contractor. Yeah. I mean, so, it's, it's, it's such a challenge for these operators. Absolutely. Um, and, and so it currently what some of them are able to try to do to mitigate this is they might have some kind of a credit line. They're depending on their own working capital or cash flow, which is, which is tremendous what they would have to keep in reserves. Mm -hmm. That's typically mm -hmm. how they're addressing this without something like build. Correct. That's right. Yeah. I would say mostly balancing credit line with suppliers. Um, the very well established can get as much as 60 day terms with their suppliers. Right. Um, the standard is normally 30, but a lot of our customers, uh, the suppliers don't give any, especially in the economic environment we're in now. Yeah. Suppliers are not lenders, right? They, their ability to assess risk is not their core competency. So what do they do? They're, they're tighter on all criteria right? Where it is our core competency. Right. And beyond um, that, they're balancing their cash flow as well. You know, so that's they've right. got the same situation from their perspective. Absolutely. Uh, we'd love to extend you 60 day terms, but, but I had to buy this stuff too. Right. So mm -hmm. exactly. Um, yep. All right. So let, let's walk through this. Maybe we can use the electrician example as we walk through this. Um, just let's take it to what happens then when that electrician works with build, let's walk through the steps. And then if I could ask questions as we go through there, that would be great. Sure. Yeah. So $300,000 contract ready to get started. That's probably going to be about a hundred thousand dollars for the material, not all up front. You probably are going to have about 30,000 a month as you complete the job. Call this a three to four month project. Okay. So you need $30,000. Maybe you take that out of a existing credit line with the supplier in our, in our case, let's say they're using build. So they purchase the material. We pay up front to the supplier. What that also triggers is a discount generally. It's a cash discount. Mm -hmm. Supplier says, oh, you're paying cash? Now we're talking. You know, you go to the liquor store or the, uh, you know, a lot of small businesses do this. I guess I thought liquor store because I see that often. <laughs> and they say your, your debit card price is this and your credit right. card price is this. Same thing with suppliers. Um, and so that ranges from two to 3%. So immediately they're getting a discount. Um, and then that, Simply put, they have 120 days from that point to pay us back. Um, generally, the contractor is paid by the general contractor. As soon as they're paid, they just pay the invoice on our side. Rents repeat, right? Um, so they're oftentimes juggling many purchases with us, and it's just a process. As soon as they get paid, 
they take their, their material portion of that and pay us back. Now, I'm assuming there is some kind of a dashboard for me as that electrician to manage all of these. What, what do you call them? Do you call them loans? How, what's the term for them? Material purchases. Purchases. Mm -hmm. yeah, so yeah. I can see how many of these I've got going on at once. Because like you said, I could have multiple going on for all of the different jobs that I'm managing or de delivering on, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. okay. and, and so you see a dashboard, but more, I would say more importantly, from a product perspective, is that you're negotiating with your supplier now based on product and price, not terms. Yeah. Not credit line. So you're able to say, and we're advocates, super advocates of relationship based negotiation with your supplier. It's not, you know, always hard bid, who's the lowest, right? Who's going to have the best inventory in stock? Who's going to be there for you in a product dispute? Who's going to take that hot shot run for you Friday at 3.30, 3.30 PM and you need, you know, what amounts to $500 with material, but you need a flat bike truck to get out there right? That's very much relationship driven. And so we're huge proponents of that, but at the same time, it needs to be competitive pricing. So this puts the customer, our customer in the driver's seat to say, who's going to give me the best of those things, not credit terms. Yeah. Right. Okay. If I have to go beyond the 120 days, what, what happens? Is that an option or not? It is. We have what we call an extension, which, um, sometimes our customers, find themselves in where they have not been paid by the contractor yet. We do evaluate those as a case by case basis, but it's not uncommon for us to do, to do extensions, which essentially carry the product another 60 days. Okay. All right. And so from the contractor's perspective, that electrician, what's the cost to me for this? Yeah. So we charge, um, it's uh, $50 per $10,000 of material purchase uh, per week. So we do weekly payments. Um, the way we like to articulate this, and we have calculators on our, on our platform, is more a percentage of project. So we find that for the most part, customers are paying off their purchase between day 70 and 90. And if you were to take that cost, include the supplier discount, the cash discount, um, we find that to be about one and a half percent of their entire project. Okay. So when you're negotiating a project, that $300,000 project, your competitor was like 330,000 or 310,000 or 290,000. These swings, a, a one and a half percent swing is not gonna make or break you being awarded the project. So the, what, we, the, what we advise our customers is budget an additional one and a half percent project, um, um, one and a half percent in your project every time and never have to worry about credit terms again. Okay. Are there any other fees, uh, sign-up fees, fees every time I do one, any other fees that also get added besides the $50? Per no, 10K? we have what we call a purchase fee and it, it does depend on what kind of program you're in, but we do have a purchase fee uh, that's upfront that is generally offset by the, again, by the discount that you get from the supplier. So, and that's every time I do one of these deals, I pay that purchase fee. That's right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, it's part of the purchase. So if you're, it's just added onto the purchase, it's not something we, we take initially. Um, so it just adds on to what you would call your balance. So how is that calculated? Is it a flat fee or is it a percentage? A, yep. Yeah. Flat fee, 2%. Okay. So 2% of mm -hmm. the entire of the hundred thousand in our example here. That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 2% gets rolled into the loan on which now I'm going to pay at a rate of $50 per 10K on a weekly basis. Yes? That's right. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so I have to make these weekly payments. Um, how does it, so does it get broken up? So do I determine I'm going to take 30 days or how does that work? I'm still confused there as to how, how do I know it's going to be 30, 60 or 90? And then depending on that, what do I pay weekly? Yeah. And that's the, really the core of the product is you don't know, right? And flexibility is, is the real key here is that you don't know. Um, our product allows 120 days or when you're paid by the general contractor. So that's not always known. Uh, but as soon as you get paid, you essentially notify us or just go on and make the payment on our platform for that, that particular material purchase. Right. Because regardless of whether I take it for 30 or 90 days, I'm paying that $50 per 10 K on a weekly basis until such time as I pay it off. That's right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's all count technically is calculated daily. So, um, okay. It's not like what you would see from like an on deck or cabbage or behalf where they basically say on a $10,000 loan, you're going to pay X dollars in interest. And it doesn't matter if you pay And, and by the way, the, all these finance companies has lots of different products. So I'm not necessarily sure. Yeah. Saying and in this it, case, but, it's, um, it's prorated to the day on your platform to the day. Right. And that was one of the fundamental decisions we made as a business to say, well, the margin is much better the other way, the more, which is not as favorable to the customer. Sure. And we had uh, some advisors say, look, you're going to make more money doing this and the market will bear it. Meaning the, the, our, your customers will pay that. And we said, no, that we don't feel good about that. We don't feel like we can be transparent with that day, daily interest. As long as it's out is what you pay for the day you pay it back, you no longer pay interest on it. Great. So it's technically just calculated on the daily balance similar to the same as a mortgage or auto loan or something like that would be calculated. All right. What does it take for me as that electrician to have first joined build? What does that process look like and how, what do I need to qualify? Yeah. So, um, enrollment is super easy, uh, build.com B I L L D.com. Um, you can start the enrollment. It takes about 10 or 15 minutes, no financial statements, no last four years of, taxes, none of that. Uh, it's a very simple process, essentially providing your business tax ID. We take care of the rest. Uh, you can immediately put in your project and material purchase. Um, and we process everything same day. And, but so what you are you looking for? Are you doing a credit check on me? Are you, what are you basing, uh, me getting accepted on? Yeah. So there's definitely some secret sauce there. Um, I would say that, um, if you are active contractor with real commercial projects, you're going to be eligible for our financing. Now there are certainly exceptions to that, but, um, our process is a lot more driven by and decision-making driven by non-traditional credit metrics, such as what do your projects looks like, look like, who do you work for, right? Who are your customers? Uh, because we know our bet is on the contractor doing a quality job on the project and the project actually paying, not what is the business owner's FICO score, which is how all small business lending is set right now, is what's the business owner FICO. And when you, you see behind the scenes on this, you're going, this is stupid. I see, I see all the time business owners with $10 million annual revenue, profitable, business owner FICO score in the 600s because they have a thousand dollar charge off yeah. on a sprint bill or something that they've just been too busy to even understand or address. 
and it's going, are you kidding me? This is our customer right here. Or, or they got they got trapped in one of these cash flow situations and they had to go late on some things. You know, they they exactly. caught up, but, but it's just mm -hmm. that's that's the penalty that they've paid for this system yep. that they're a part of. Yep. And they get trapped in a look, my my personal score is affecting this huge other thing that I have. You know, look at my cash flow. Um, but that's how decisions are made for small business lending right now. So we are very against that do we evaluate traditional credit metrics yes do we are they weighed heavily in our decision making absolutely not okay all right um let's look at it then from the supplier's perspective what does it take for them to participate is there a fee for them explain that side of it mm -hmm. yeah so we have a what we call a partner program uh so uh a partner supplier program and what that does is it eliminates the purchase fee. It transfers that essentially to the supplier. So the fee doesn't exist to the, the end customer, the contractor. And the additionally, what we do is we provide the first 30 days um, for no, at no interest to the contractor. So that is essentially the same as the supplier offering 30 day terms. Right. So what we're trying to do is mimic the product that a supplier offers, but the supplier gets paid up front now. So guess what? That fee to them is real because they would otherwise give the cash discount. So they're happy to do that because that is their cash discount. Now their customer gets 30 days, no payment, and no interest. If they want to carry the balance, it's just flexibility, right? That's flexibility they don't have if the supplier provides their own terms because this is the conflict uh, between supplier and contractor. Supplier has a $100,000 order that they delivered 30 days later, hasn't been paid, where the, where the account manager should be there helping with logistics, asking to solve the customer's pain points, asking about product feedback, talking about you know, delivery options, what's next in your pipeline so we can better prepare. Instead, they're knocking down the door as collection guy. You know, going, hey, what about this hundred? You know, who wants to be that? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's uh, what from, from a sales perspective. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I I noticed on this site, I can search to see if the supplier that I'm doing business with is on your list. If it's not, and I have a supplier that I'd like to use this with, what do I do as a contractor? Yeah, so we work with all suppliers. So it's a pretty simple process. You essentially drag and drop your your um, estimate. Uh, from your supplier, we take care of everything from there. Okay. So even if so they we, weren't on we the list, out. then you'll contact, you'll reach out to the supplier. And then of course the supplier might say yes or no, but you'll take care of that process and then let the contractor know what happened, I'm assuming. Every supplier says yes. Okay. You haven't <laughs> you know, had we're, that we're, pushback. No, I mean, we, we, uh, the, the call is pretty simple. Hi, uh, we work with this customer. We're trying to send you money before you've shipped material. Yeah, um, but but it's not quite that simple, Chris, right? You also want them to give you some things and the, there's there's a cost. They got to understand the program. They may be no, skeptical, no. all that kind of stuff, right? No, no. So that's under um, what I was describing was our partner program. What we're describing is our merchant, which is okay. just who we can pay, I see. right? So who we can pay is any supplier. I see. Um, we have not gotten to all of them yet, but it's just a viral effect, right? We're working with, thousands of contractors, we're going to get there, right? We're going to get every supplier in the market. 
as long as they are a legitimate supplier. We do encounter some like broker type situations where they don't necessarily, they're not a traditional supplier. They're buying from the real supplier and then adding a fee and then just like reselling it. That's not, we, we oftentimes won't work with them, but under our normal contractor program, we, there is no, there is no pushback because it's, Hey, we're going to wire you these funds today. Um, you know, what's your bank information so we can send it to you. Uh, and then we send them, you know, all the details of here's the, in, here's the estimate that we're paying for who here's who it's for. And um, once we've done two or three deals with what we call a merchant supplier, they're going, tell me a little bit more about build. How, how does this work? I'd like some of our other customers to use them. Right. And that's they, when we'll, they, that's when they can then offer it to their that's customers. Right. Yeah, that's right. And that, okay. that starts a conversation of the partner program, which is structured a little bit different. Got it. Got it. All right. So, so if I'm that contractor listening, that electrician listening, how do I, what's your recommendation for how do I figure out if this is for me, if I qualify, uh, if I get approved for this, what, what, what should they do first? Really enroll. It's that simple. It takes about 10 or 15 minutes, uh, to, to enroll on our platform. Um, you can no also fee, just no call, fee for that, right? There's no, 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 no fee for, for that. that. Yeah. You can also just call us. So I'm a customer service advocate. If the phone rings more than three times in our office, staplers will be thrown. <laughs> um, we are very much customer obsessed. So also just call if you have questions. While it's a simple concept and product, sometimes you just want to talk through it a little bit and, and we're happy to do that. And then do you give them then some kind of approval or is it based on that first uh, deal that they bring you? How does that work so that I know, okay, yes, build will work with me. That's right. Yeah. We normally would ask that you actually have a purchase in mind. So we'll evaluate based on that. Okay. Um, there isn't so much a pre-approval because we don't know as much about the business um, w without knowing what projects they're doing. Um, so the best thing to do is really maybe a week out, even though we do same day service a week, week and a half out when you know you're going to need material, go ahead and enroll uh, and put in your purchase request. While we do you know, same day turnaround is probably prudent to, you know, get ahead of it just so you can plan appropriately. Uh, and every now and then we'll, we'll have a question or something that, that may delay a day or so. Uh, but we're, you know, the thing about construction is it's very fast moving. Our customers, their customers are very fast moving, the general right. contractors, right? So we have to play that as well. Uh, so we're, we're very much like ready to go and we're, we're set up uh, from an infrastructure standpoint to support, you know, same day service. All right. Okay. What have we not touched on that build offers anything else that we didn't cover uh, about your service? No, I, I think that's, that's pretty much it. I, I would just really uh, expand on for small business owners out there. Um, sometimes cash flow issues can be viewed as a negative thing. And especially in construction, everyone has the same problem. So really it's a matter of finding the best fit for you to overcome that issue, then ignore it or be embarrassed that it's an issue uh, and not explore all your options. Um, our product is made for construction. We are a construction company, right? That's what we're preaching. Um, 
And so we're not the bank that they may have reached out to before that takes two weeks to process. And I don't understand this and blanket lean on your business and all this other stuff that traditional lenders would do. Um, we are a construction company. We know the problems, right? So back to my site capture uh, conversation earlier, like, you can't tell me this isn't a problem. We know it's a problem. So don't worry about that. Here's the product we offer. Does it make sense for you? We know it makes sense for you. How much you want to use it may be different because we understand there's a cost to it and there's budget and you have to be competitive on your bids. But having that flexibility is so critical. Having it in your back pocket that if you're a small business in construction or even medium-sized or large business, having this as an option, as a no expense, doesn't affect credit, anything else, really doesn't make any sense to not have it as an option. Yeah, I think for anybody listening should at least try it. Uh, and, and see how it works for them. But I think your, your insight is a critical one that I have found that that people see it as kind of a, a point of shame, almost like I haven't been able to figure this business out. The, the big guys must know how to do this secretly and I don't know. And I think there's, there's a lot of shame, yep. I guess is the best word mm-hmm. there for, for the average contractor. Yep. And the truth is, and MBA school will tell you this, that if you're well capitalized and you don't have this uh, this um, problem, then you have another problem. And that's not, that means you're not efficient with your cash. That's right. Right. Your cash is not working for you. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful stuff. Thanks. Thanks for indulging all those questions. Uh, I'm always looking for a book recommendation. Is there one that comes to mind that you would recommend? Uh, I'm going to give you my favorite book ever. I've read it four or five times. It's how to become a rainmaker by Jeffrey Fox. It is, it is very, sales, business development 101. And I absolutely love it. Every time I read it, uh, I remember how foundational it has been in my career. And I recommend it to all my employees. Sometimes they laugh at me after they read it. Most (laughs) of the time they say, I know why you do this now. It's a great book. He actually has several Rainmaker kind of like series. It's great to listen. He reads it himself on the audiobook. The author does. Uh, so it's a great listen too, and a pretty quick listen. Uh, so would, would recommend any entrepreneur out there while it is more sales focused, it's rainmaking, right? And a lot of what he talks about is this is really what the CEO is doing to drive the business. So definitely recommend that. That's uh, how to become a rainmaker by Jeffrey Fox. Love it. Thanks for that recommendation. All right. I typically ask for, for a summary. One thing you want us to take away, but you did that so eloquently just a moment <laughs> ago. Is there anything you would add to that for, for us listening? What, what's one thing, anything else you want us to take away from this conversation? We no, have? you know what, if it's entrepreneur, um, you know, program podcast, uh, you know, if you got an idea, do it, do it, man. Like, let's do it. It sounds, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to get off the, off the, uh, the platform on this, right? You've got a great idea. You're ready to go. Funding's uncertain, products uncertain, put something out, Excel spreadsheet, mock-up, whatever it is, get something out, put it in front of your customer. Um, you know, just do it. If you're passionate about it, you know, do it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Don't be afraid. No, I agree. You know, and I, I'm guilty of that too, where I can get paralyzed in the analysis and sometimes you can do all the analysis you want, but until you put something out there, you don't really know if it's a good idea or not. Only the yeah. market tells you that, right? Absolutely. Yep. Only your customers can tell you that. Tell us again where you want us to go online to learn more. Yeah. Uh, build.com, B-I-L-L-D.com. Wonderful. We'll have links to that on the show notes page of this episode. 
Chris, this has been a great conversation. Thanks for educating me on this. This is a very applicable for a lot of people, a lot of my clients. So I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with me today. Oh, thanks for having me, Henry. It's great, great uh, conversation here. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Howa Business. My guest today again was Chris Doyle. We release new episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowabusiness.com, or just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. Thanks for listening. And thanks to our show sponsor, Stroke of Genius, one of my favorite podcast shows about innovation and protecting intellectual property. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.